Kelly Carlin, and welcome to Waking from the American Dream. It is cold, please don't stay. If you know, then go away. Despite the
Hey everyone, welcome to the show. That was Logan Heftel, I think you know who he is, and Taylor Negron doing Laughter, which you know is an appropriate song for today, but we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, hope everyone's doing well. Sorry it's been a few weeks since the last podcast. I know everyone got excited and thought I was back again and I was going to do it weekly and then... It was, you know, kind of finishing, almost finished the book, but not quite, but did, but didn't, and then things and that and the other thing. And so anyway, here we are, hoping to be more consistent, hoping to actually do a show once a week, at least until I go to New York at the end of New York, at the end of the month. And then, of course, I'll be skipping that week, but I'll have lots of good material when I come back because we're going to New York for a very special thing. We are finally dedicating West 121st Street to my father. It is going to be called George Carlin Way, which I know he would like. It's not an avenue. It's not a street. It's not a drive. It's a way. It's a way. <laughs> and way, as we know, is very Dow. So, you know, dad was all about the Dow. That may surprise some of you. But dad was all about the Dow. And, uh, and so not the Dow Jones. No, no, <laughs> yeah, no. That would have been nice. I would have enjoyed right, that right, after exactly. he had gone if he had exactly. been into the Dow exactly. Jones. Right. Uh, but no, he only left me Dow in, 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 in his estate. Because he wanted you to be and follow the way. Yes. And so now we are. Absolutely. And uh, so we're doing that on October 22nd. It's a Wednesday. It's the middle of the week. It's the middle of the day. It's 1 p.m. on a Wednesday which means, yes, you have to ditch school. You have to give your boss an excuse that suddenly your grandmother died. Never mind that both of them have already died, but your, your other grandmother has died. Whatever it takes. From your ex-husband. Yes, there you go. A, a grandmother-in-law has died. Uh, so we're going to be at the corner of West 121st and Amsterdam at 1 p.m., and uh, I'm, I'm not going to give you the full lineup yet because we're still waiting to completely, uh, um, you know, cement all of that in. But that night also, if you can't make the dedication during the day, do not worry. Because that night we're going to have a show at Caroline's on Broadway. Uh, Caroline Hirsch has donated her lovely club to us. So we're going to have some great comics on that lineup and um, trying to get some heavy hitters in town to come by. But so far, they're all in L.A. Isn't that lovely? That's just so <laughs> typical with my luck. So October 22nd, Wednesday, 1 o'clock on the corner of West 121st in Amsterdam. And that night at Caroline's, I hope you can make it. I hope you can come by. Uh, it's going to be fun. It's, it's, it's really a lovely thing that's happening because uh, my dad... Oh, here's the thing. and the, the actual George Carlin way part is on the 400 block and it's not on the 500 block because if some of you know the church blocked us from being on the 500 block because well it's the church um <laughs> what can i say they uh were worried they were worried that if the sign was actually on the corner and not even on the corner near the church we were willing to go to the other side of the hill you know a good hundreds of yards away from the church and put the sign up there but they were worried that little, you know, they have a school there. And you probably know about the school because my dad talked about it in Class Clown. Uh, it was, you know, my dad loved 
the Corpus Christi school. Uh, the nuns there were great for him. It was a progressive school in the 40s, and he loved it, and they taught him how to be a free thinker and an independent mind. But no longer, clearly, are there free thinking or independent <laughs> minds going on there because they don't want any of that because they're worried that their little children who walk out of the school might look up at the sign and say, hey, who's that George Carlin guy on that sign there? And then they would Google it because they're kids of the 21st century and they Google things. And then they would find out that he said Shit, seven dirty... Fuck yeah. <laughs> the police. Right. <laughs> like children have never heard these words no, before never, in never, the world. Or that never. they're not going to be exposed to them by some other place. But as you and I all know, it really doesn't have to do anything with the language. It has to do with the fact that my dad said some things about the nice sky god and how <laughs> and how he isn't real and how the church uh you know uh is a hypocritical and um you know really really loves you um but judges you <laughs> but really needs your money so uh yeah i think it has something to do with that but anyway so the sign has to be all the way across the street on amsterdam on the 400 block which is not the block my dad grew up in but it's the block just down the street and so I told my Uncle Pat this. I'm like, so it's not on the block block. And my Uncle Pat's like, who fucking cares? It's our fucking neighborhood. We fucking owned every fucking corner there. So with that in mind, uh, we are going to be claiming that other corner. And uh, my dream, although we're all going to be standing on the little block of 121st Street, my dream is that um, 10,000 George Carlin vans show up and we have to block and we have to create some sort of traffic thing around us on Amsterdam Avenue. But we shall see. So uh, hope you guys can come out, you New Yorkers. You tri-state area people. We're just a... It's not freeways back there. What are they? Expressway away? Expressway. We're just, you're, we're just a train ride or expressway away. So come join us and um, follow me on Twitter and Facebook for all the updates of that kind of stuff. And I want to just give a shout out to Kevin Bartini again, who is the comic who started all this three years ago, who decided, living in the neighborhood, hey, why isn't there a George Carlin sign anywhere around here? And this is the man who made it happen. So, so that's all wonderful and well and good. And... Um, so that being that, um, just a few things to catch up on also. Um, so just a couple things have happened since we were last here. Uh, the drought continues here in California. Um, in fact, we are today, if it sounds a little different on the podcast, it's because we are in my dining room because our studio out back, um, you know, our cool space out back where we hang out, um, is um, 18,000 degrees. Um, it's a little warm out, and I, I don't know if I should blame um, global warming or Governor Perry, but I'm going to blame yeah. them both because he doesn't believe in global warming, so that's I'll blame him for sure. So that's continuing here in California. Um, and, of course, you know, the, uh, Scots, the Scots voted against going independent, which, uh, you know, I was really torn by that because I get it. Like, my heart said, yeah, go for it. Go for it. Fuck those fucking thin lip, pasty Brits. And then my head was like, oh, yeah, but how are you going to pay for everything? You know, so <laughs> um, I'm I'm OK with it. And, I, you know, and I know. But the good news is that at least Scotland's got a little more, um, you know, swagger, you know, and maybe they're going to, you know, make the people in Westminster um, think twice about being total jerks to them. So we'll see if that works out. Um, what else has happened? Uh, oh, we had the, the big Ray Rice uh, NFL thing, the domestic violence thing. Um, shocking, really. It's just shocking to me that every time we hear another incident of a NFL player 
um, either pulling out a gun or murdering someone or beating his wife. I, I don't know. It's shocking because really football is such a sweet little nice. <laughs> it's just, it's, you know, they're just, they're so nice to each other. And they, and you know, it's not like this, like they encourage them to be that way or anything or completely pay them to be the, br- the most brutal, horrible, horrible humans on earth. And then shocking, that kind of bleeds over into their real life. I don't know. So, um, yeah. Uh, just you know it's such fucking bullshit and you know and I'm kind of done with the NFL anyway because I'm a Raiders fan and my team is just <laughs> a fucking nightmare I think Who? we're we're exactly we're zero and three always I'm guessing t- by tomorrow or the next day we'll be zero and four I'm thinking see last year we were two and 14 or two and 12 or something like that and um I think we should go for consistency let's just go zero zero and 14 that'll be way more fascinating and you know, let's let's aim for something, Raiders. Come on, let's let's actually aim for something and get it. Concussion junction. Yes. Function. Yes. Uh, yeah. Once again, another thing for the NFL. Really, they're you know they're just smashing people's heads and they're shocked that there's long-term effects. Oh, oh my God, we live in such a world. Uh, yeah. So that happened. Um, uh, some cool things happened. Charlo uh, Green, the reporter in Alaska. I don't know if you saw this. You might want to Google her. She was on, she, I think she was a weather person, maybe. I don't know. Anyway. Oh, the pot smoker. She, yeah, she just, she on, on, right on camera said, you know, you know, fuck this shit or something like that and walked off the set uh, because she's going to go fight for the marijuana legal, legalization in Alaska. And, um, and the whole thing, that wasn't so shocking to me. What was really so shocking was that there's a black woman working on television in Alaska. <laughs> That, that was way more shocking than the rest of it. I was like going, what is she doing there? In Alaska. Wow. I, I was fascinated by that. I just want to know that story. I want to hear her story. How did you get to Alaska? Right. Um, and uh, some bad news. Speaking of uh, journalists retiring, Bill Moyers is retiring. And I don't know what we're going to do in America. Is there anyone left who actually cares and like can put together a cogent a story about something in depth and actually have analysis and um yeah i'm 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 scared for us so i'm hoping there's some there's some young people coming up who uh who are inspired by him and he's been mentoring them because i've been for the last 30 years uh, depending on him being a voice of reason in this uh country uh so i, I don't know what's going to happen uh, so that's a little frightening but um not as e- fr- as frightening as ebola landing in texas um, because, as we know, um, as someone tweeted earlier today, um, you can't, you can no longer get an abortion in Texas, but you can catch Ebola now. It was an excellent tweet. I wish I remember whose that was. Um, and uh, just a few other things that have happened in the last week. Uh, fall equinox has happened. We um, actually made it through the day where the daylight and the nighttime were equal in time. I hope you guys had a nice bonfire on that day. Uh, important news, my Uncle Pat turned 83 on October 1st, Yay. yes, and he still wakes up and smokes a joint every morning. Yay! Uh, and uh, the saddest news I have is that, um, if for all you girls out there, George Clooney is now officially married, and uh, he's off the market. I know, I know, we were all holding our breath, um, but I have to say something about George Clooney. <laughs> uh, great guy, amazing guy, and... Um, you know, he has that thing where 
you know when they say the it factor like he really really has it years ago I somehow got invited to the Playboy Mansion. I don't even remember how that happened. But Bob and I went, and um, by the way, I was the only person in men's pajamas. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> I would not. I just couldn't do the whole thing. Because how are you going to compete? How are you going to compete with those? I mean, the most gorgeous bodies, the asses were just luscious. And I remember this was like, wow, probably 12, 14, 13, 14 years ago, a long time ago. And um, George Clooney was, you know, he was he was a movie star, but he wasn't George 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 Clooney yet. And uh, he came into the into the mansion, and he he ne- he didn't make it like thirty feet into the the front area because uh, suddenly women started lining up to meet him and say hello to him. And I was sitting at a table, uh, and he was probably fifteen feet away from me. So I just sat there for 45 minutes and got to stare at him, which was really easy nice. to do. And because was, there was a line out the door and I'm like, I don't have to meet him. I'm just going to stare at him. And he really does have that thing. He is a fucking movie star. Um, so I hope I hope he's happy. And um, he got married in Venice. How fucking cool is that? And the, 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 the boat Venice, not the stinky pee homeless Venice. <laughs> <laughs> not our canals, you mean? No, not yeah, our canals. They may be lingering no. there somewhere. Yeah, there. yeah. Um, so I think that's my update. Um, just a couple of things before we jump into conversation. Um, if you haven't seen it, there's a PBS series called Makers, and then it's Women In dot dot dot. And last uh, this last week, there was Women in Comedy. And I normally don't watch stuff like that. I don't know. Some part of me like normally like, oh, just some schlocky documentary. Let me tell you, this thing is done so, so well. It comes out at a different angle with things. It really represents each woman it talks about and their particular contribution to comedy and 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 just and talks to them about being bold. And there's a lovely segment with uh, Joan Rivers and Phyllis Diller. And they talk about Moms Mabley and... Um, Lily and Jane and Lorraine and Gilda and uh, Sarah Silverman. I mean, it's just, it's really, really well done. So I highly, highly recommend the series. Um, And also, I think that's it. Um, Yes. Oh, and the other thing I just want to, I don't even know if you'll hear this before then, but um, check out my Todd Glass interview on my SiriusXM show. He and I had a lovely conversation. He's a lovely human. And... um, and I think that's that. And before we go into the next segment, I just want to say that um, I, I know this is, uh, I, I figured this out before, but it's one of those things that, you know, you like know it in your head. And I even know it, knew it like in part of my body, but I don't know if something hit me this week about it, like really, really trusting it. Um, I really, really got that no one person has the answer like I've been searching for the answer. I'm not talking spiritually. I'm just talking about like, what should I think about uh, feminism or global warming or, or whatever it is? And well, not global warming, but um, just any kind of big idea topic of life. And um, and I'm just starting to realize that you know everyone just has a fucking perspective. And just chill out, people. Just fucking chill out. Um, everyone's all over each other, man. Just jamming shit down each other's throats. And I don't know, something just made me relax around that this week. And it was like, oh, good. Okay. So um, that's it. Before we um, go to the next segment, I just wanted to end this segment with, um, I had the profound 
honor to go to Robin Williams Memorial mm-hmm. last Saturday. And I'm not going to talk about it in public too much, but um, because Bobcat Goldthwait, the first thing he said when he got up there was, did you know there's a thing called competitive grieving? And I laughed so hard because when Robin died, it was as if, and it probably happened when my dad, but the social media wasn't around so much when my dad died or when, right, right. when Rain's dad died. But um, something about like everyone was posting on Facebook and Twitter their, their encounter with Robin, you know, and I had some very profound, amazing, lovely mm-hmm. encounters with him and did not, I didn't talk about it to anybody. So, and, and there's a few exceptions to that. I mean, some people talked about some things more in general, you know, like Jamie Kilstein talked about depression, which was important and things like that. But I got to go, anyway, I got to go to his memorial. And so, so Bobcat said that grieving thing, it just fucking killed me, fucking slayed me. And I would just tell you one thing after, I'm going to read a poem that was in the thing here, but we sit down, it's this big, beautiful theater in San Francisco. And, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a very nice affair and there's a lot of people there, and it, but it felt very intimate. So we sit down, you know, you get a little program like you do with these kind of things and we're sitting there and I open up the program and I notice that um, Billy Crystal is opening and Stevie Wonder is closing. And I look at Bob and I go, holy shit, this is going to be a great show. <laughs> um, and as it should be, because uh, that's the way I felt about my dad's memorial, too. Even though we were just in a backyard with 50 people, it was a great fucking show. <laughs> and these showmen, they deserve that. So, But here's a, a beautiful little poem that was in the program here. And it's by Ralph Waldo Emerson. Uh, it's called To Laugh Often and Much. To laugh often and much, to win the respect of the intelligent people and the affection of children, to earn the appreciation of honest critics and endure the betrayal of false friends, to appreciate beauty, to find the best in others, to leave the world a bit better, whether by a healthy child, a garden patch, or a redeemed social condition, to know that one life has breathed easier because you lived here, This is to have succeeded. I don't care about bright lights. I don't care about parking spots. I don't care about dreams. When we're awake, we're better off. Worried about the future, depending on who you ask. I'm in love with the present, even though it won't last. Are we good? Get by? Are we lucky? Are we fine? Are we sacred? Life. care about sleeping pills you care about cats their happy face down right on life's mat aren't we good getting by aren't we healing with the times aren't we sacred life 
I don't care about the Constitution. I meant to say pollution. There's no profit in the solution. Who sold the revolution? Show of hands. I'd rather read the score. I don't care about the war. Which one? Aren't we good getting by? Aren't we lucky to combine in this present time? Aren't you glad you're alive? Aren't we lucky? Aren't we fine? All right, everyone, we are back. Thank you so much. That was uh, Logan again with uh, another song called Sacred Light, which works just so- see how we layer this music in. And let me tell you, it happens and it happens completely accidentally at the same time. That's what's so beautiful about this musical arrangement. It's like such a beautiful thing. So anyway, I'm so excited. I've got a nice little uh, semi round table. Actually, we are at a semi round table today. We're not at the octagon table. We actually have roundness in our table and I have uh, two gorgeous human beings here in front of me. Well, I have four gorgeous human beings in front of me, but two who are actually going to speak into the microphone a bit. Um, One of which is my, um, my dear friend Rain Pryor, who is my sister from another Mister and Mrs. As she says, <laughs> oh. and yet somehow our DNA matches. Yes, we don't know how it's that works, but it did. And uh, you, you guys are all familiar with Rain. She's been on the show before, and uh, bef- I just wanted to say that um, she's going to do this amazing thing at the end of the year. And she, I know it's it's a huge deal for her, but she is recording her first comedy album. And um, she's going to be doing this in Las Vegas uh, the weekend of December 18th through the 21st at Bally's L.A. Comedy Club. Uh, so if you have any plans to go to Vegas in December, make it that weekend. Um, yes. Yes. Come out and support <laughs> Rain. And, and through Uproar. Uproar Comedy. Through Uproar Comedy. Is that the yep. album? Yep. The, uh, the record label? Yep. Nice. Nice. And uh, and then um, and before that though she's going to be doing uh, the jokes on you comedy tour and if you go to joycomedytour.com you can see their dates they're going to be um, doing some dates in the up in the northeast so Rain is here you guys are familiar with Rain but there's a new person on my podcast what I'm very excited about who's yeah. also a sister thank you <laughs> and it's uh, and it's Lori Buckley and um, just you know not that we're going to spend a lot of time focusing on our pops but this this is a kind of a themed podcast here because Lori's dad. Uh, Lord Buckley was a man who inspired my father and I'm guessing Richard also yeah Yeah. I mean I'm 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 pretty damn sure he knew who the fuck Lord Buckley was (laughs) Um, and if you guys don't know who Lord Buckley is after the show 
go and Google it. There's some stuff up on YouTube of his stuff. But this is how much this man inspired my father and really gave my dad permission for something and how important he was to my father was uh, when I was six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old, somewhere in that range, probably more around eight or nine or 10, when my dad started sitting me down and, and, and saying things to me like, okay, we're gonna sit down and now we're listening to this because this is important and you have to know who this person is and I want you to hear this. Uh, Lord Buckley was one of the first people that he did that with. And um, uh, Lori will talk a little bit more about her dad. But you can listen to Lori uh, on her own podcast, which she has a podcast that she's a co-host with Terry Joyce on, um, what's it called? Freedom of Joyce, which is such a great title for a podcast. She's so awesome. I love Terry. And that's on Revolution Radio. And that's on Weekly. And I like to think of Lori as, when Lori walks into my house, there's this... um, there's this, uh, she has access to realms that most people don't have access yes. to, right? Yes. Is that a good description, yeah. way of saying She's it? like watching, <laughs> witnessing the ethereal goddess. Yes, she's so goddess. She's yeah. such goddess energy. Give yeah. goosebumps, yeah. girls. And, and With yet, a mouth like a sailor. Yes. And yet it's not like ethereal woo-woo. Oh, that was Stella, by the way, uh, because Jason just tried to, to pet Stella. And as we know, Stella's a bitch. Um, so well she's a female dog and she's a bitch um but yeah and it's not like ethereal woo-woo goddess there's like total earth mama grounded like no bullshit goddess that's right yeah so so welcome to the podcast i'm so excited so excited to be here and to hang with the sisterhood Mm -hmm. and uh, it's just so meaningful to me because of our father's positions in uh, comedy yes. and their contribution to the scene. That's right, uh, baby. That's right. Uh, uh, I love dogs too. Uh, I, Stella, shut up. <laughs> okay, she's on. She's on Kimmy D's. Also, Kimmy D is here in the house, by the Yay! way. Yay! Kimmy D's on the house with her oxtail ragu. <laughs> well, it's not like on her. I mean, she, she brought it into the house, and so it's not good. So I thought um, we would talk, I don't know, about a couple of different things. Um, I mean, one of the things that's interesting for me right now is that, and, and, and I think it's just generally pertinent for, for, for women right now. I'm just, I'm, I'm fascinated what's going on with women in the world and uh, especially in this country. And there's, I don't know, there's some sort of sense of, um, I don't know. I watch this whole, um, especially in comedy, this whole thing over rape jokes and uh, and and men talking about women and and then you know this whole thing about you know them complaining about us or or women or feminists talking about rape culture. And um, lately, the thing has been about women complaining about men um, catcalling them in the streets. And, and, you know, I'm just I'm fascinated by how right now there seems to be a, a resurgence of a feminist conversation in our country going on. And because comedy is part of our culture, it's also nudging up into comedy. And um, mm-hmm. Saturday night. So uh, no more dick jokes for me is what you're saying. <laughs> I can't well, talk about the art of a blowjob to my audience. Yeah, but that's so it, the, because I'm no longer 
being, you know, right. a real woman. Right, exactly. So Damn. this is, I know, this is what's so fascinating <laughs> to me is, and, and I had a great conversation on Saturday night after, after Robin's Memorial in San Francisco because a bunch of us were around with Jamie Kilstein and Paul Provenza about this because Paul's in the camp of art is art and comedy cannot be censored in any way and that you have to be, and as long as it's funny and it's ironic and it's making a statement, you can say anything on stage. And... And Jamie Kilstein has taken a position where, I mean, he obviously stands for that. He's a great comic, but he also is a really uh, vocal feminist, big time. And he's... Uh, he has a vagina? No, he doesn't. <laughs> oh. He has he a, vagenda. a vagenda. <laughs> a and, and But he's, but he, you know, he has been defending or, or defending the right of this woman who, I guess, was attacked by Daniel Tosh with this heckling situation or whatever. And, and so, so there was like a little fireworks in this conversation. Oh, there was quite a few fireworks actually in this conversation I had with Paul and Jamie. But I, I'm not a person, as you know, who likes to just take one side or the other. I'm fascinated by just the nuances of everything. So I just wanted to hear from you fine women uh, about this, about this uh, topic and, and where you guys are standing or where you think about it or do you think about it or does it even matter? Well, I, I spent 40 years in Vegas, so I learned to speak um, English and fuck quite, quite fluently. And uh, it was a pleasure because I wasn't taking it personal, and I had to learn the language because you work in casino work a little bit, I did, and, and the guys were coming on to me. I said, perhaps I was better looking than I previously was aware of. <laughs> And then after a while, I realized that I was just a depository, and you know, and it was nothing personal, you know. And I, so I started to make some comedy about it, and and I told guys that I was hung eight inches in, and when I get excited, my skirt sucks in, and it's so embarrassing. And they were like, "What does she mean?" And I'd go to discos, and you know, you got guys always putting the mac on you, which is all sweet and all that. So I would bend down about six inches from their zipper, and I go, "Hi." I know there's two heads on every man. I'd look up to his mind. I said, but I see there's nothing going on upstairs. So I thought I'd come down here and talk to the real man. What's up, baby? Like and, and they would freeze. They would go into, oh my God, she's six inches from my zipper. That's right. You know, like the ketchup bottle. You know? And so I, and, and then I, I, and being in Vegas, you know, if you're just a, I'd heard this about girls at conventions. You know, if you're like walking around and I'm, I'm so lost and I, you know, that means that means she's, she's available. Mm. So when I walk through a casino, I know right the hell where I'm going. There's mm. no because they've all every hotel has their own girls. You know, it's nothing mm -hmm. personal. And so I learned how to handle myself and not to take things personal. Mm. And I learned to hang with the guys. And you know how it is, girls, when you're hanging with the guys and all of a sudden they remember. You're a girl. Yes. Oh God! I, I, hey, it's I'm cool. You know. And then I was I was working doing a lot of advertising and promotion and with these escort dudes, and they started talking some crap to me one day. I said, "Dudes, I'm not one of your bitches." Oh, I forgot, Lori. I know you did, honey. So just bring them back, and so we can speak, and I can understand and translate it into my mind, and know that it wasn't about me. Uh -huh. So now there's really I'm over it. Uh, right. I got over it, and so I don't mind a bit. And Camille Paglia said the coolest thing. She says, get in the trenches with the dudes. Work it out. Don't right. go wrong going, and I can't sell to me. I'm going to have to tell my father. Oh, please. You know, right. you have to stand up for yourself, and you just stop taking it personal. Right. And when you can do that, now, 
you look how people vote and the I mean but of course we're so used to the Congress saying such stupid things so they, they don't even they can barely spell vagina much less care about it and so you can every time they say oh well a woman has that that thing that rape thing that, oh that she just tells her body uh, no it's not happening and, well if that right. works for her I go what the his wife must be laughing somewhere you know it's, <laughs> yes you would hope it's right. unbelievable the consciousness and I really believe well, you gotta hang well, you know, to do, I mean, I, I look at feminism like this. I, I think we, even as women, we miss the point. We give birth. We create this life, period, just like the earth creates life. Mm-hmm. The trees, the, do you know what I mean? Yes. It's this, we are this tremendous force. And for some reason, for many of us, the idea of feminism is not just about it's being vocal, but it's like, it is. It's, it's almost how you said, like, getting down in the trenches with a man. And I think what it should really be about is getting men to open up to the feminine parts of who yes. they are, if that makes sense. For sure. Like to me, ultra feminine feminism is very feminine. It's powerful. Yes. It's like warrior. Like when I look, I'm thinking warrior stance in my head, mm-hmm. warrior stance, the shield, I can kick ass, but I can also let a baby suck on my tit. Like I'm, <laughs> you yeah. know, I'm all of, I don't know. Yeah. That's what it... For sure. It is, and, and all this stuff about, you know, the talk. I think you have to make funny, and as a stand-up, I think you have to make funny pain. So I think it's the way in which people talk about rape. It's like if I'm watching some guy on stage who's a comic talk about rape, but I'm knowing he just raped a girl two nights ago that was a groupie. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to think he's a piece of shit. Yep. And he shouldn't be saying that, and that's mean, and that's vicious. I think... But I think we have to learn how to laugh at these things to look at these things. For sure. Absolutely. You know, if I didn't see my dad snorting coke off a horse tits, I wouldn't be who I am. <laughs> it was just an instrument. It was just yeah. that, you know, it's like. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's essential. I mean, I mean, the, the whole point of comedy and I think the higher art of comedy is is that it's it's making us laugh at what's fucking insane about the world you know and and there's a there's a way to do that and um and yeah i mean you know i've learned it's it's so interesting because for me like i totally get what you're saying about the feminine you know with with a big f you know and the and the essentialness of that and that every aspect of life there's there's and we're not talking gender here we're not taking male female we're talking masculine feminine it's like two different energies and they're both needed for this thing called life basically yeah. and 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 then there's this other thing that happens in our culture you know which is that women i mean i was thinking about this like this whole cat calling thing I mean, when I was younger, oh, mommy, yeah, when I was younger, I, you know, I always was like, wow, they actually are looking at me like how nice because I always had like self-esteem issues around that stuff. And I didn't ever think about that. It was misogynistic or, or they just saw me as an object or a sex object. I just didn't think that way. And then, and then as I got older, I mean, I suppose if that happened, like, five times a day when I was walking to work every day, like in New York City or something, that after a while it would drive me crazy. And, and I and I get Well, the, what are they supposed to say? Hey, bitch, like your skirt. <laughs> you know? Do me, do well, me now. But, but here's the thing, I mean- You look no. like a whore in those heels, babe. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> but I, I think the point of the feminists is that, 
Um, women don't sit around at an outdoor cafe and when a really cute guy walks or walks by I go hey you know I want to suck your dick or you know no at- but we think it <laughs> and we do talk amongst ourselves yeah, we do yes yeah we it's do cool so we're still objectifying the men no matter yes, what but it's cultural it's well, like, like I'm sorry if you if you're wearing it's like it's the whole theory about sex too you go to a nightclub you know who the girls are that are ovulating it's the ones in the tightest clothes you even can see it on waitresses <laughs> Yep. It is. It's a whole thing that we go through when we're ovulating. Mm-hmm. Our clothes become, you know what I mean? Our dresses get tighter. Our boobs are hanging out more. We might not even notice it, but that we're in that process. And those pheromones are leaping off of us. Mm-hmm. And those guys, in the, they're smelling it and they're getting, you know what I mean? Their other head smells it, like you they, said. Yeah. <laughs> they get excited for, you know what I mean? Yep. And they start following that, that smell. And I think for them, if you look back, just even in society, if you look back to the earliest of tribes, you know, the, huh, it's that natural. Right. The cat calls become the, you know. The <laughs> dogs eating. bark, cats meow. I didn't right. mind it a bit. I didn't think it's it was a, like, oh, you better stop that. I'm just terrible. Right. You made me, whatever. You now, know, now just, I'm walking down an alley. Yes. At midnight, and there's a group of guys going, you know, I'm um, gonna be scared and think great. Yeah. So that so that's <laughs> that was my other question is have I mean have either of you ever been in uh, an abusive relationship or a situation where you seriously were fearing for the safety of your body? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, I caved once, you know, but <laughs> it's it's uh, you know it's uh, it's something that I did some soft. Um, what they call soft porn i made these two guys pay me 200 bucks for an hour to do the recordings for them they were all soft and when the 900 numbers were big and it went something like this i I was i was in a hurry and i was walking down the street and i thought i'd take a shortcut and i was down going down this alley and all of a sudden i looked behind me and these guys in leather jackets they were coming towards me they were loud they were i could smell their leather and I loved it. <laughs> it was just ridiculously <laughs> hilarious. And they were so mad they had to pay me two hundred. But hey, I got right. <laughs> I, I got skills, right? You know, it was. But it was. But but I've been. You get that feeling because you know I watched Frankenstein movies when I was a kid, and I was always sure the Wolfman was crawling up to the fourth floor in New York, and because it really did scare me. And my dad liked to scare me when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. He'd come out in the dark. My brother and I'd be emptying trash in this darkness, and he'd stand behind this wall. Then he'd raise him. And so I was a really chicken person, mm. but I like it because it made me not want to go down dark alleys. <laughs> it right, made right. me pay attention. You know, forget the hoo-hoo. I was just terrified. Yeah. You know, so it's you, you get that sensibility in our lives if yeah. we're lucky to have it. Yeah. But, yeah. And, and, I, and I, we're human animals. I mean, I think we just need to get to the point. We're human animals. There are good people in the world. There are great, you know, there are bad, really bad people in the world. And we have, with everything on us, there's people that are going to, they are, they're going to rape, they're going to beat, they're going to do what they do, they're going to, and it's going to be inappropriate, they're catcalling or whatever. But I think once, as women, once we get to a place where we're no longer ashamed or allow society to shame us for, you know, having these hills Mm -hmm. that we walk around with and, you know, these valleys and our bodies are all great in all shapes and sizes, I don't think then we'd care. Do you know what I mean? It's it's like... We're, we're, we've, since the beginning of time, we've been put in this thing. We're supposed to cover ourselves. We're not supposed to expose. If we show too much cleavage, we're this, we're that. And so I think we've become, do you know what I mean? Well, that's, we're and, grown I think into that's, and I think that's the point. I mean, yeah. that's the point of, of why feminism is it. Because it's like, 
why do we have to make all of the fucking concessions? Right. You know, because I mean, I have breasts and this is what I look like. And just because I have breasts, I'm not inviting you to touch it or right. to or actually necessary for me to be a sexual being. Um, and I mean, you know, I I don't feel safe in the world as a woman. I don't. Right. I walk I walk out in the world. I mean, you know, as long as I'm there's people and all that kind of stuff. But, I, you know, I don't like to go hiking by myself in the hills right. of L.A., um, at night, I don't want to fucking walk somewhere dangerous, you know, at all. I don't and and but you shouldn't. And we're not built that way. Do you know what I mean? We're not built for that. We never were built for that. I think when you have a, a place of entry like we do, see, we have no because you have to invite someone into you, right? Do you know what I mean? Yes, it's, a, it's much different. Guys can just take it. Guys, like I say, for sure. In my, guys get hard for no reason. Yeah. A cat jumps on it, gets hard. Yeah, they don't have. And we're it, not physically as strong as for the most part. For the most part, but yeah. it's a whole different psychology that we're even brought to the world with. So I wouldn't like. You know what I mean? Right. To me, it's normal for you not to go. I'm not going to go in the middle of the night because some guy may. But but I think some people would say that that is. That you that 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 just saying that it's normal that that's not okay that that's normal that it shouldn't right. be normal. A Kimmy's got her hand raised yeah. here. Come on, in, Kimmy. It. <laughs> I'm on the outskirts. It's it's interesting that this should this question should come up when I'm standing in your house mm -hmm. because when I was a little kid, I was sexually abused for many many years by several people because the precocious children are the easiest oh, yeah. because they mind right. the adults and they do what that's they're true. told. Yep. And then I had the date rape, and I was just done, just done. Mm. And your dad came to Seaside Heights, New Jersey, in the little bullshit fucking bar. I couldn't even like I showed up just because I couldn't believe it was that George Carlin. <laughs> <laughs> Not in Seaside. Not, the, Not the other one from Alabama. Not Baby O. <laughs> no. And he started with a rape joke. Uh-huh. You know, not started the whole set, but in right. the middle, he has a rape joke. And I just go, I fucking loved you. <laughs> what, like, what uh, are you doing? I can, I know exactly where I was standing in the wow, bar. I wow. knew exactly where he was. I knew what he was wearing. And I'm sitting there going, son of a bitch, George Carlin, I totally loved you. You don't understand. I'm going to break up with you right now. Oh. <laughs> and I'm thinking all these things. And he says that he starts through the joke and... He talks about Porky Pig getting raped. Yeah, Porky Pig raping Elmer Fudd. Yeah, and yes, thank right. you. And he goes, no, that's fucking funny. And I just went, oh my God. And it was funny. It was the first time that I laughed at rape. And right. It, and, and in one joke, he gave me back your power. All, all my power. Wow. All, I, like, and I hate to say, like, he gave me back my power. Like, that's right, 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 bullshit. Right. But, but, <laughs> but there's a moment of a shift there. Not only that, but your father has paralleled the person who abused me the most was named George, and your father is obviously named George, and the last names are very, very close. Wow. Like, like a consonant and a, and a vowel apart. And it was the same time I discovered your father that this person started in on me. So so I memorized AM, FM to like go, like when I was being attacked and stuff, I was through, wonderful, why not the big men in the big town? Why not this was all shit going through my head. Fuck. So I didn't have to pay attention to what was going through my body. So when that happened, when I saw him and he said that, it was like full circle. Like wow. this man has always been speaking out for women. He's always been there. He's always been protecting me in my own little fucking right. head. But but so it's really interesting that you should bring this up. And I should be standing right in here and near uh, Totally. That's fuck well, <laughs> right. you know, there are no accidents at all. No. And 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 that's um 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I saw. No, and, and this I, is too. Let's let's. You have to separate, and I think as a side, we also need to separate feminism from mm-hmm. rape. Do you right. Know, if that makes any sense of what I'm trying to say, because if what we do is we shame the victims. Right. We shame the victims not to speak out and not to talk instead of shaming the perpetrator, mm-hmm. shaming the person that raped. And I think and we need to change our vocabulary as women in places of being sexually assaulted to, to, to say it, it, we were sexually abused, we were violated by this person. Like We need to make it like, ew, they are ooh, not we're ooh, right. because we were violated, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, and that's what's so frustrating is that you know the victims of of all these different crimes. I mean, it becomes about blame the victim because the culture itself refuses to look at what's perpetuating this right. this stuff. What's the thinking behind it? And even though as empowered women, we can handle cat calls and right. we can recover from being molested and date rape. I was in an abusive relationship as a teenager. Um, we can recover from these things. The culture itself is built in in such a way that it's, you know, it, it's, it gives certain males and certain thinking, uh, you know, permission, you know, I mean, look at the NFL thing I talked about earlier. I mean, it's insane. This man cold cocked his cold cocked his fiance in an elevator and dragged her out like a fucking caveman. He had no class at all. And they give him a two game suspension. And then when the fucking video comes out, which they fucking knew about exactly fucking happened, then it's like, Oh, okay. Then it's like, that's what's frustrating about it. You know, Well, also too, it's also frustrating that they put her in a situation where she couldn't even be honest. And I bet you, and I hate to even say it, but I am pretty sure because when you deal with those kind of dynamics with a big industry like the NFL, corporation like the NFL, that they said to her, no, what you're going to do is you're going to get married. You guys are going to get married and you're going to have this, this, and this because you got married and you're going to go through this and you're not going to separate. Right. And testify against your husband. Well, and not even that though. I mean, I've been in an abusive relationship. You fucking sign up for it. You, you, you keep your mouth shut because you believe that a, you are the piece of shit and you do deserve to be fucking hit. And that you do think that if I just stay long enough and love him enough, he'll fucking change and guarantee you that what that, that's what that woman is. So whatever the NFL fucking handed her or said to her, she was like, yeah, that's a good deal. That's That's a good deal. She's already, she's already broken. She's already there. But she probably didn't even need to hear that. No, they've right. Been together since high school. Yeah, right. Yeah, it wasn't this her first been going time. On forever. It was the first time she's got knocked out. Oh yeah, anyway. Oh, right. It's the first time you know? it's been filmed. Yes. I, I right. saw. Um, I was watching a late show at the Dunes, and uh, Andrew Dice Clay, who I just adore. I love his Travolta and all of his stuff. But he started to go into this routine about walking through into a bank, and he wanted to do this bitch, you know, and, and drop her his pants and and. You know, and I'm abroad. I can laugh at a lot of things. I I really can. I'm right there with the mm-hmm. guys. But it just hit me. I stopped and I went. So I waited, you know, because I'm a cancer chick. I can wait for a while. <laughs> waited till after the show. And I saw him snuggle buggling up to this little Kino runner. And, and I waited and I went over and I said, you know, hey. I said, you know, introduce myself. I'm Lord Buckley's daughter. How you doing? I says, I, I got to tell you something. I go, that last, that first routine, I says, we all weren't born to suck your dick, pal. 
I said, it's, it's, I, I know this may be a gross misconception on your part. Right, right. I said, but you cannot, you, if there's a line, you just drew it. And I said, because women are too vulnerable and men got this attitude because, you know, when the, when the Bible says, you know, that, that the woman, I said, the entire world came out of our crotches. I don't think I was the rip, you. you know? Right. And so I didn't like it. And so, and he was a little shook and I just said, thank you. Cause I'm, I wasn't being crazy. I, I just wanted to let him know that that was going nowhere. Now, six months later, he's on the tonight show. I don't know why these women are so angry at me. I go, try, dude, cry. (laughs) You know, because he stopped that here. It was this talented dude. Yeah. But he had chosen the dark side and it blew up in his face. And, and, but, that's what we call homeschooling. Well, well, well yeah, right. and and the point yeah. and the point of you know, I mean, here you go, you have um, you have this power on stage, and your voice is going one direction towards the audience. It's not a conversation. I mean, it, it is, you know, as my dad used to say, this is not about you people tonight. This is it's about me, right. you know, and uh, this is my time, and I get to say what I want, and it's that's a powerful position to be in, and um, it's like any power it can be used for good or evil you know and and i think really the point of the people who are um comics who are who really really want to defend the art form from anything is because you have to be able to you have to be able to find the line and cross it and and because then you because the culture needs that line to be crossed not in service of the powerful getting more power right but in service of everyone getting equal power ultimately it still has to be funny and and right. it still has to be funny yeah. absolutely well, dice clay was just in santa barbara and he was going to walk from the hotel to the theater and they asked my husband to be his bodyguard and i find it really sad when you need a bodyguard and yet nobody approaches you. He <laughs> <laughs> could have walked over and no one knew who he was. No one knew. Uh, Santa Barbara. <laughs> exactly. There was, a, there was a time in Vegas uh, and your dad was in town. And he, I think he was at the MGM. And he called me up and, and I said, I, he goes, well, why don't you come in? I go, you know, I go, if you're going to do the Vegas stuff, I go, I don't know. I said, I want to hear what you say in Berkeley. I want to hear what you say when you talk to the college students. That's the conversation because we don't get that. We get middle America kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, but he right? does. He did so, it all there. Well, well so right. then he said, come in tonight. Oh, <laughs> so, and how many people walked out, oh, Lori? No, it, was, it was so, I have to tell you, it was so fantastic because he was really putting it to the Pope. Oh, should a woman just be put in jail for because she's bleeding? And her, and I mean, he went off and, and crossed it. And I, and I listened to him say something and then I look over at the audience and their mouths were, and that's were, how I felt and, in and Staten they were, Island. They were in shock. <laughs> they, they couldn't speak. And then he'd fluff them up a little bit, let them get their breath back and bam, nail them again. It was so beautiful. <laughs> Yeah. to see and he just drug it right That's across a killer joke. I love yeah yeah yeah. They have the period. yeah it was fantastic and i was like yes yes because that <laughs> the only thing the truth lacks in this world is a sponsor your <laughs> dad i said you know That's your dad great. just broke it through so much i mean they thought they thought lord buckley was radical because you know, Red Fox and Lord Buckley got sold under the counter in some record stores. And it's because, wow. you know, we know what Red said, but but Lord Buckley said the Naz instead of the Nazarene. Yep. And so they're like, oh. You yeah. know, I said, really? <laughs> All this stuff going on in the world and the Naz bothers you? Right. But it was the beauty of the beginning, because uh, Quincy said, without hip, there'd be no hip hop. 
Mm. and the beauty of the snappy language of the getting to oh, it. Oh, for sure. And, and so that the great lessons of the past would not be trapped in the old language. Right. Mm. You know, so I, I think that's what I did with some dudes is I gave them a little hip, you know, right mm. from the hip, bam. You know, because <laughs> it was, I wanted them to understand that we function in this world. We are, without a woman in the room, nobody's safe. It, it, and, and they asked Orson Welles one time, wow, why is it that men refuse to give women their sovereignty? And he explained it quite simply. He said this, because women represent the last of our slaves. <laughs> I go, you know, that's an honest pitch. Wow. Because we've been subjected from the beginning of time. I heard way back when in the creation of somewhere that the, <laughs> the women were the kicking some Absolutely. ass. But yeah. as it evolved and the, and the other side took over, that we were denied access to this day in our world women with the veils that you know oh they drive women drive cars in Saudi Arabia oh that's nice you know still stoning women you know and all these horrible things are still going on and we are treated and many times I mean I, I, I sometimes I like it when they do it just so I can see their moves but it's it's we have to allow women the sovereignty and their right to be themselves and honor them as people they've just been too used to degradating them and and enjoying it and and, and women have been too used to being being treated that way i mean yeah. it's like you know it's like being in an abusive relationship you're like oh i guess this is all i get right well at well, least see, it's better like than I nothing said, we're not taught we're not taught the the whole goddess thing of who we really are and i hate to sound esoteric but we're not taught that at growing up we're no. not taught that in education we're not taught about the power of how the power of reproduction period yeah because it mimics exactly like i said it mimics exactly what's going on in the earth mm -hmm. and jocelyn just, jocelyn just... elder said she goes the pope is having a love affair with a fetus right she goes once they're born they don't care about them until they're ready to go to the military oh yeah and she said 90 percent of men masturbate and the other 10 percent are liars i love her <laughs> i love her yeah she's awesome she is so beautiful. she must have listened to my dad my dad had a oh, great and she said we should all learn how to masturbate so right. we'd be good at it and take the pressure off the innocent it's true. so so i, I want to bring ahead. this around to a more kind of interesting personal perspective yes. is we're all daughters of very powerful men who dicks. <laughs> powerful dicks. Petersaurus, yes. We well, are. in your case, maybe in my not. Case. <laughs> your dad's dick saw a lot more action than my dad. I mean, I know my dad was out there having some fun right. in the 70s and stuff, but uh and and I just want to, you know, hear about your paths as women, you know, uh, as as girls, as teens 20s 30s you know as you as you're coming through the decades how your relationship with your own father in your own head which is usually our relationship with the patriarchy and and so there's the there's the dad dad and then there's the the patriarchy sky dad and the, you know on all the rules how have you as daughters found a way to find your own voice outside of your own father's voice and where do you stand in alignment with them and where do you stand against them and say what the fuck no that's not the way i want to do it i'm just because i'm dealing with that right now in my own life so i'm just really curious about have you guys thought about that do you have any ahas around that do you you, you guys know. were very lucky to have your dads at a longer time. Yeah. I would lose my dad at 11. Yep. But because we were so, uh, the one thing Lord Buckley could control was the behavior of his children. Because we'd be up at late hours of the night, 2 o'clock in the morning. You know, they didn't have babysitters back then. It was, we're tucking you in. Do not leave the room. Right. And, and we're talking, I'm six, seven, you know. Okay, daddy. You know, and we said, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. And right. people went home and beat their children after they met my brother and I because we were in severe perfection. <laughs> and they're like, well, there's, can we know? No, daddy. Daddy, I, no, that was it. And so, uh, 
he just about a year before he died, he uh, he was very and during our childhood very strict, and that had an effect on on a person. I mean, I was a little sprite mm-hmm. at five, but it didn't mean I didn't get a little branch off the tree because mm-hmm. I took my aunt Nell's uh, jewelry down to the store and tried to trade for candy. <laughs> you know, they got a little testicle over that. And uh, but but we had to perform uh, a, in a certain way in order for them to be who they were. Right. They lived wild and crazy. We lived. Right. You were obedient. And we did. And da- go my to dad bed. was like that too. He's it was very, very strict. Very harsh. But around ten, uh, I was beginning to. I was getting ready to have the grand conversation. Something was building up in me. I didn't even know really a puberty. I don't know what it was, but I was beginning to. He wanted me to learn material. And he gave me the Gettysburg Address, which I love. We're all cats and kitties, red, white, all blue. A created level in front. You know, I dug the piece, but mm-hmm. I was pissed off and I wanted my chat. And so I refused. Now, my brother Richard, he didn't have that same problem. He was younger and he was doing acts on stage. I still had stage fright. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to take that attention in and take it back. The ebb and flow, I yep. wasn't hip to it. Yep. So I was very, very, very shy. I made up for it. But what it took was uh, for me after he passed and then my mother's extreme devotion to my dad, which was beautiful. But I learned this, as I said to my mom when I was like 13, mom, you should have crawled into the coffin with him because you died after he died. She was in sadness, deep sadness. We didn't hate her or anything. We loved her. But I said, that was my first lesson as a woman, beginning woman, that I was not going to end my life and be like my dear, beautiful mother in brokenness Mm. because someone I loved died. So I think it became, so I would marry the, the, my, just like an 18 had my babies right away. Like I told my daughter, I was 10 years younger than you and had two kids. Uh, but it had a profound effect, and my husband was abusive. But I understood his childhood. I understood his suffering, and he chose to be the lesser person. So it would greatly affect me and my mm. life. And thank goodness for sex, drugs, rock and roll. I would be able to come out, and, and then when you realize, as may, maybe you guys see this too, is that Finally, you get so to where you're at, you don't have to work so hard at it. Right. You know, and so pretty much you're in comfortable in your own high heels. Yeah. So I began to learn that. And I looked at him, my ex-husband as a teacher. Hmm. I, I forgave him immediately because I know he chose the lower road. Hmm. So I didn't have any more angst. Come right. on in with your, he, he's, oh, I hate Mexicans. And then he has a Mexican girlfriend. I won't raise your kids. Well, you know, why did she leave? I don't know why. But in the balance of it, I, I, I'm not threatened by anything anymore. I'm blessed for my time. Mm. But I learned that it's important. My girlfriend said it to me this way, my friend Darlene May. She said, Lori, you were only going to spend a short time with your parents, so you were going to be required to be a listener and an observer. And that kind of got me through mm. the angst and the sadness of, of not you know, being able to be myself. And it took uh, really several decades to feel the confidence yes. of who I was. And luckily I loved journalism and I could light things up and I was creative and I had talent. And so I overcame it in a lot in a lot of ways. Did you ever feel like there was a standard your dad set that you had to live up to? And then at some point you had to be willing to, and I, that's maybe what, what you're saying here, then you really realized, oh no, it's ultimately my standard that I have to live up to that you know it's my it's it's my I can't I can't let this version of this 
voice in my head be the thing that's telling me who I am and, and how to be in the world. I couldn't accept uh, my power for a long time, mm -hmm. but I could mm -hmm. create magnificence for others. Mm. And so that was beautiful. And plus I had, because, you know, mom threw me a box of crayons when I was a kid, I can draw, I can paint, I can make things, I can imagine, I can put two things together that never dreamt of them being together. Right. And so I, it was showing up in obvious ways. Uh -huh. But I noticed that, you know, because I know you were writing, you're working on your book, and of course I've been working on mine a long time time I mortgaged the ranch and everything to, to buy my dad's sister a set of new eyes and I my brothers were fighting I didn't know what it meant I didn't care I wanted to help her because we loved her so much and on began my journey you know the ranch the horses everything I bet on it and, and went out and met hundreds of people that I didn't know put ads in papers but still it was a slow healing mm -hmm. and so now because I heard you that night at uh, uh, at the fate gallery mm -hmm. when you told your story your last conversation with your dad I began to realize the validation of the importance of what the child feels mm -hmm. and I was it really brought me forward and then I was interviewed for the Henry Miller Memorial now we knew Henry Miller the wonderful author who just right. slammed her down and just shook up the 20s and 30s and 40s and pow 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 well I couldn't I'd never had anybody ask me how I felt about him but then uh, during the interview they go well Lori uh, tell me about Big Sur. So I, we got to meet, I got to be there when my fa my mom and dad and Henry Miller and his wife all came together visually for wow. the first time. So I said, well, I remember the bumpy ride up to the house. I remember how the loving sensitivities of Mr. of Henry, how beautiful he was, and the love fest between my parents and them, because Henry saw Lord Buckley, and Lord Buckley saw Henry. So I, in the beginning, I was, I just never had, it, I had nobody had asked me how I felt. Mm. They asked me what I knew, mm. and even I didn't know. So in that comes some beautiful healing mm. of the of the transition of understanding mm. what you break through and what you leave behind in a happy way. Right. Sometimes in right. the covered wagons, I had to go back and get the couch. Right. So I was kind, I was kind <laughs> of in that scene, you know. But in the revelation of it, it helped to free me in a sense. So now, as I'm putting together all the hundreds of interviews, which I have in a large part. Now I'm writing my beginning from your conversation. Wow. And so that I now uh, realize that my insights are very powerful and that I've, I've begun to live as myself. Wow. And that is a beautiful gift. Absolutely. Wow, wow I'm honored by that. Thank you. It's true. <laughs> it's very true. Well, you've done nothing for me. <laughs> <laughs> TikTok, where's the happy bedtime? I think we have Kimmy in the corner every show. Right. <laughs> Kimmy is now our official. I don't know what that, that position is, but it's she's on a high chair in the corner right now. It's just, it's fucking brilliant. And Rain, I mean, we've talked about this. You're doing yes. stand up. You're fucking. You're on the stage doing yes. the very art form that these daddies, you know, or, or at least our but daddies. But I'm doing it my way. Yes. That's what's interesting. Yes. Like, I'm really finding my thing. Like, I know Rain Pryor is not going to, I am not going to get the Kevin Hart crowd. Right. Yes. <laughs> that yes. is not, <laughs> that too. Um, you know, that is not my audience. I'm not some more. You're not going to see me on B anytime soon right yeah you were saying that you these urban crowds you can't yeah, you just you cannot just, do no, it no because and what's so funny is i'm talking i am talking the same talk mm -hmm. the, 
but it's it, it's in a different language. I know what I'm, it's a different language. Yeah, I'm talking about black and white relations. You don't want to hear it when you're in Alabama and you still straighten your hair. You don't want to hear me talking about my big poofy hair mm. and knowing what you're talking about. Mm. You know, and, and even though I add stuff like I added this whole thing, it's I said so. You look at me like I'm this light skin. You know, girl, and you're like, oh, she thinks she's so great because she has light skin. I said, it's not like my parents met on a plantation. (laughs) (laughs) My my dad wasn't working in the field, and my mom walked out and was like, hey, man, dingo man. (laughs) I'm like, no, she was a dancer in a club, and he walked up to her with a big clock around his neck. (laughs) They fell in love, and they had me. So I said, it's a different time. Like, yeah. knock it off. That's interesting. Wow. You know, and that's kind of like, a, that's, for me, It I have the similarities of him. And what for I get is I feel like I get my dad's presence saying, you can talk about this mm. your way. Mm. This is your experience. Because my dad was never urban. Right. Right. That's what's hilarious to me. Yes. So when people come expecting to see Richard Pryor, I'm like, no, you're expecting to see um, the Kevin Hart doing Richard Pryor. Right. You forgot who Richard Pryor was because if you go back and look at his stand-up, it was not urban. No. My dad talking about hunting and becoming the deer, I've never seen a black man yet. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Do that other than, let's say, a Dave Chappelle or what, you know? Yeah. It's like, so he wasn't this urban talking about, you know, like it was a different lingo. Yeah. You didn't have it- that. So I'm like... I leave that for them. Uh huh. Uh-huh. I'm like, I'm leaving that for you. Even though sometimes people still will book me for those rooms, it makes me laugh because I know I'm not going to do well. Right. I'm right. just like, yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah. Well, here we go. Yeah. You know, just just like I said in Staten Island, I'm not going to do well talking about black and white issues with a bunch of fucking Italians. You know. Mm-hmm. What? Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> yeah. hey. Kids are listening. <laughs> And you had your dad actually encourage you. Although the people after the show will come and talk to me about hip-hop as though I know it. (laughs) I'm like, did you see my act? Because you would know I don't listen to (laughs) hip-hop. My grandpa's man is Danny Kaye. I don't do hip-hop. The whitest man on earth. I mean, I know who Wu-Tang Clan is, but I wouldn't know him on the street like you do. Can you do this as a bit, Brady? Yeah, it should be. It should be. This should be a bit of yours. It the should. whole like your relationship Dang, with him. That really did happen. <laughs> That's what it happened on Saturday night. I've heard of them, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't they know like? who they look like. <laughs> Mr. Tank, do, do you talk about your ancestors like you do on on Facebook? You're which just, I found fascinating. I haven't yet. I want to. I haven't yet because I just think it would be hilarious. Well, it just is. It's. I think it's you so know. great to look at the people that got us here. Yeah, you know, is. And, yep. and what they brought, like, like Dad's family was, uh, his father was, uh, his, his dad owned race horses and racetracks, yeah. and he was a stowaway. Got tired of giving his money to the church while the girls got prim for for marriage, wow. and he hopped on as a stowaway for the gold rush, wow. and that feeling of com- all the th- hundreds of thousands of people coming to find somebody that they could be their own master, that they could thrive, and that, and of course, most of the people that made the money were the hardware stores. Right. But, but, you know, but that kind of courage, you yeah, know? Yeah, but it For is sure. that kind of courage. It is, yeah. You know? And, you, I mean, that's what's great. Like, the three in, three of us in terms of the dad stuff and, and stand-up, we have that. That, I think, branched off where it's like, I don't feel I have to be dad. I don't, mm-hmm. don't want to be. I feel sorry for the people that think I have to be. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? And, and did you have, 
from you know you because your dad actually encouraged you he said you know get up on stage and do and this, this. <laughs> yeah. and and so and 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 maybe it's just a difference of personality too and plus how we grew up and all of that but you know i i i never felt like i had permission to use my voice in in right. the world you know like that that's taken me time that's like the last 20 years of my life has been about doing that for myself and have you always been that woman, that girl who was like, this is what I'm going to say? I mean, I look at your daughter, Lotus, I, and it's I like, think the so. stuff comes out of her mouth, and you're like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think so. I think so. Because I don't know a time, like, and, and it's funny, in, in my, in Ifa, my Ia said to me, very distinctly, she said, you know, do you think maybe your name is not a mistake? Mm. She goes, everything about you. She goes, not only are you rain. She goes, but everything, the way you look, the way you act, she goes, it's all unique. It's all you. Like, there really is, and she goes, in watching the documentary, she was like, the fact that you even thought for a moment, like when you were younger, that you had to fit in some way, she goes, is ridiculous. She goes, because you never were going to. Right. So that is just not my thing. I'm not going to fit in. I'm not going to be, you know, Amy Schumer and Sarah Silverman. Right. I'm not going to be... Tracy Ross on Blackish. I'm going to be, I am, I'm going to be Rain. Strictly, yeah. Yeah. you know, just like even my name, the idea of Rain knowing that, that, you know, Ia comes, Ia's position and her Orishas or Omi, which is water. So it's like everything I feel like connects my dad setting himself on fire, my mm. Baba Shango. So it's like, which is about fire and lightning, mm. you know, and then for him, that connection too. And when you talk about, it's funny, you talk about the gold rush, but then you end up working in Vegas. I don't think that's, <laughs> I don't think, do you know what I mean? It's yeah. so funny to me that I go, that's so, to me, ancestral on a weird level. Yeah. Like, you had to go, instead of you going to the gold rush, you were watching the people coming to the gold rush. That's right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Trying to get those ducats, and you got to see from the outside all that, and that was your that was your way working through whatever that ancestral karma is. And it's so interesting because my dad's father, uh, who died when my dad was very young, he was um, he was a salesman in advertising for newspaper, but the other thing was he was hired. He'd won the um, Dale Carnegie Speaking Award. He was a motivational, inspiring <laughs> speaker. <laughs> and, and he, yeah, and his, his subject matter was about the transformation of mind. And that's all the stuff that I'm into, you know? Right. And I, like, see that generational thing and i'm like wow he was doing this you know a he was a, he was a raconteur and a great storyteller and an orator but also he was really fascinated by how does the how do you evolve human consciousness right. and it was like but that's what i and it, it's the same and thing. the challenge is going to be like i'm sure it is for, and it is for me and it, i'm sure it is for you and you that there no matter where you go because our dads were big they weren't just mm -hmm. they were big and even after they're gone, they're still big. Sometimes that, even bigger. That yeah. There's that thing of what is she going to say because they need that piece of him. Yes. And so I get a lot, and especially me, I get a lot, like I need to claim you, like mm -hmm. black people, I need to claim her because she's black. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the Jews, I need to claim her because she's Jewish. And I'm never saying, because I speak my truth, right? and it's a prior truth, yeah. I'm never saying exactly what they want. So it's this line I walk, of am I going to be accepted or not? Yep. And you get to a place where you go, fuck it. I don't need to be accepted. Well, and that's what, thankfully, I you know I came from from the beginning. But just writing my book, the act of writing my book every day, and writing my story, and telling the story of my family, and then my life and my own, you know, my own journey. Uh, uh, 
that it was like, I can't do this for the fans. I can't, this cannot be about any single person out there and their idea of who, what the story should be or, right. or who he is or whatever, that this is, this is mine to tell. And, and that, like when you get that, and that's all our fathers ever wanted for us anyway. Right. You know, right. it's like, I remind myself of that. It's like, there's no fucking party line that I'm supposed to be, you know, towing around here. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's like this, the, the party line is truth. Right. That's all it is, that's you know, it and it's, and speak that truth. And, uh, and, and it's going to come out the way it's going to come out. And, and there's no mistake that we're women. Yeah, that's what I say. They yeah, had, they had women. Yeah, and, I mean, and, Kitty I mean, yeah, also. They Kitty, had, I mean, and I Kitty, they had men too. I have brothers too. I'm not discounting you guys. I just want you <laughs> to know. But you know, there's a reason why we're women following in a similar, but yet our own different. Yeah, and each of our fathers went through a transitional period. Yes. where it was, you know, because Dad was doing the walkathons. He was there. He saw the depression. He was making big fat daddy money. Mm-hmm. He went through the gangsters and who owned all the clubs. If you weren't working in a club, they owned it. Uh, he saw World War II. He was out with Ed Sullivan. <laughs> they were going to call me surprise. My family, for real, I would have been the moon unit of 1949. Wow. <laughs> and so uh, he, he saw World War II. He saw all the broken men as well as the soldiers. Mm. He saw there was the birthing of Lord Buckley came right, then came the Ginsburgs, then came the Kerouacs, then yep. came the Cassidys. Right. He went through a transformation because my mom said, why don't you tell those stories that you, when you're hanging out at night? when everybody's gigging around, because Dad was an insatiable reader. So he came up with Gandhi. So he came up right. with William Shakespeare. He began and, and wanted to translate to heal. Then he read Mahatma, not Mahatma, but uh, Cabeza de Vaca, who learned this, how to heal. And healing in our house, just like, oh, can I get you clean this? Let me lay some hands on you right now. Right. And we all have it. All right. My brother has it, I have it. And my brother Fred was a wonderful person. And, and uh, it, it's, they saw this epiphany, saw this power they had, and they transformed it into a message and messages right. for people of their times. And Which I don't think, and for me though, I don't think my dad knew he had that power. I think, and that's and that's been my ancestral karma to carry, mm. is that he didn't finish mm. because he got caught. He because he ended up being made sick. Mm-hmm. He wasn't able to go. He knew too much. It's almost like they kill the people who know so much. It's true. And so I feel like he knew too much and didn't get to finish. And so now I'm taking that next journey to go to that next. And I make sense. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, I think about this because, you know, uh, the cultural revolution that was that your dad was at the beginning of with beats and all of that. that, So something was opening up in the fifties in the consciousness. And then, you know, how, you know, Lenny and Mort Saul and, and then, you know, my dad and Richard and they, you know, they, they opened it up more and more and more until, you know, they were like these, you know, full, the, the culture exploded in that way. And what we were talking about earlier about being daughters and being women and having a need to, to, to bring something else like you know like i really think about here we are you know it's 50 years later 50 60 years later and there's a new cultural revolution happening there's a a lot happening on the planet right now and as women you know just kind of bring this conversation full circle as women as as ones who embody the feminine who who you know ride on ride on the wave of of feminism you know and, and all of its forms the last hundred years you know, what do you think our 
potential, like, I mean, we don't know what it is because we're in the middle of it, but as women, what are we here to bring as we stand on the shoulders of this amazing cultural revolution that happened 50 years ago? You know, what's, what's up? Yeah, go Kimmy. Um, I didn't have a famous father. No? No. Well, I could have. I'm adopted. So but I, you don't I, know. I have nothing you don't know. With you people. I don't even know why I'm here. I'm just here cooking. Uh, I'm a strong black woman. Um, like jazz and tap dancing. Um, but I think that the common link with all of us, even though my dad wasn't famous, he was famous in his own little world. My dad was the manager of a grocery store, and he'd walk down the street, and everybody knew who he was. Uh-huh, you know? uh-huh. And he knew everybody's business. And But the thing I think that we all have in common is that we have the strength and the wisdom of our fathers in a woman's body. Mm. So we're talking shit that only men spoke of before, mm. and now we're saying it. As, wo- right. as women, and we're saying it with the strength that other women might not yet have or other women in our pasts haven't had mm-hmm. other women in the south don't have yeah and, right. and we're kind of speaking out the stuff that we have you know your fathers all spoke out for women on behalf of women right yep. right and, he- and so and the guys kind of went okay and yeah but it's different now that same message coming from us and and you know it's and, and here we are now it's it's a different time i mean literally the what needed to happen in the 50s and 60s and 70s in the culture has happened and now we've seen that in some ways it uh it it grew a lot of amazing things in our culture but it also created a lot of fucking greedy yuppies at right. the same time you know i mean greed really yeah. you know the i i i thing and there's something about women that we inherently understand the we because the fact that we do birth babies and right. that we are about connect, I mean, we are about connection. It's well, our know, natural I, energy. It is. I, mean, I didn't I even have, like kids till I, I had my own. I have fights with Jason all the time about we. I do, and I don't mean it like in a bad thing. I mean it like that's. You yeah. Know, I'm like it's, it's a we thing because it's if we're we don't, family and we're a unit and we're da da da, and it's just like and I realize guys just don't they no right you have the, one thing. right because the masculine the energy right and this is yeah, a, this, and this isn't a gender <laughs> right. thing this is a mask you know right. this is a, this is a this is a, a bigger than that the right. masculine is about the I the masculine right. energy in my body is the is the part of me that says. I have an opinion and I need to speak to the world about it. The feminine part of me is the part that says we are all interconnected. And if we don't understand the relationship we're in as a fucking planet, we as a species are doomed. And and we all, you know. But I am going to try to get out of it. (laughs) Yes. It's Mother Earth. Yes. Not Father Earth. Exactly. And and I said, right now, you know, look at Monsanto. I go, they just want to be Mother Nature and it's not happening. Okay. (laughs) They're so. Mutant, you know, and the chemtrails. I'm looking up the chemtrails Father, today. Father going, Nature, that sucks so bad. But I go, we're going to talk about it because aluminum hanging in the sky doesn't work for us, right? Right. And, right. and so we're there because, and it's, there's a beautiful familyhood, whether it's your relatives or not, is this oneness, this beautiful unity of humanity right. that we're seeing all these people struggling, they're fighting and wanting it, and and he goes, goes once. Once you, how can you keep the kids down on the farm once right. they see Perry? Yes. You know? And it's happening. Yeah. And we're evolving and our communications are getting closer. And this is our time to send that beautiful message of love because I totally believe it. Right. And, and Lord Buckley knew it. He said he was, he was looking around for God and he couldn't find him. He says, I just couldn't pin him. He says, and then my car broke down on the freeway. 
And this two little god dudes came over and fixed my car. And he goes, now that I can grab a hold of. <laughs> exactly, right. and, and, yes. And I, and I love that because my whole life when it said what, I went to about 30 schools because we were on the road all the time. Mm. And it said religion, I was just a blank. Dad said, go visit, hang out, see if you like something. And I remember building a, building a little kind of church replica thing. But once I went to a Pentecostal church just for the fun of it, and they said dancing was a sin, I'm out of here. You know, <laughs> right. I'm done with you folks, and, pretty much but, so. And what's, like, what I look forward to is, is talking about this message of the we, whatever that looks like, right. but doing it uh, irreverently and using the word cunt if I need to, right. and, um, and, and, and doing it in a way that you know, our fathers shocked the sense out of, the, the sleep out of people in right. one direction, so that we get to shock the, the sleep out of them in another another direction Absolutely. yeah yeah and bringing the lessons the life lessons back because we're the next generation yeah and we're well we have to you know even in my act I talk about political correctness I'm like I think that to me that has screwed everything up because we can't say what we want to say yes we get penalized for everything we can't even say like I can't say God don't be such a fag and not have someone attack me thinking I mean a usually gay a bag, person. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean when I'm not talking about a gay person it's just a word yes. that I'm using for a thing it's like I'm not do you know what I mean yeah, it yeah. like pisses me I just off. had this conversation with Todd Glass of course he takes the complete other thing and he says don't be lazy don't use the adjective gay if you mean uh, something else right. and I was like okay I get that too I'm not like a, a walking fucking dictionary passive human being but yeah political correctness is uh, uh, it's a, a softening of thinking more than anything else, yeah. uh, and it's it's a fear. It's fear based. Political correctness is fear based. Um, we're going to wrap up the show here. Right. I think we've solved everything. <laughs> we've Absolutely. solved well, at least awesome. laid the groundwork for solving something. There will be more. There, there will, will be, more. be more. There will be more. Um, thank you guys so much for being here. Thanks this was a us. great conversation. Yeah. Thanks, Kimmy, for being here. Thank and you. Jason didn't say worries. He didn't say a word. I was shocked. It <laughs> was a lot of, was a lot of female energy. Thank you for letting me sit here. <laughs> okay. There we go. See, there we good go. penis. Good, good you penis. Just sit there and look, you just sit there and look cute. Right? That's it. Sit there and look cute. Uh -huh. Baby, uh -huh. bring it over. <laughs> Get a room. Yeah. I'm practicing my female cat call. Uh -huh. yeah. Now, SNL, I'll finish with this. On, on the comedy, uh, the makers, uh, women in comedy, they showed the sketch of Lorraine and Gilda and and Lily, and, and Lily Tomlin and Jane all sitting around. They're all in their construction helmets and everything, doing the female cat calls to the males. And it was the first time anything had been done like that on television. It's so awesome. fucking great. It was great. It, it was, was a wonderful show. It was yeah. a great show. They were such groundbreakers, and now it's just bad. Um, anyway, uh, so uh, that's because I'm not on it anyway. <laughs> We'll make, our, we'll, make our we'll make our own. We'll right. make our own. We'll make our own. We're going to make our own. We've got plans. With better hours right. and babysitters. Right. We have plans. Yes. <laughs> With a culture that actually cares about family and health. Imagine that. Uh, all right. So everyone, um, have a great week. Uh, enjoy things. Um, I don't know when my next show is or my next guest, but I've got plans for it. Don't you worry. I'm working on it. Uh, thank you, Logan, for coming by and creating thank our you. studio in the dining room today. Thank you, Kimmy D, for uh, your oxtail ragu and um, your your great wit and thank timing. And thanks for being, thanks for sharing with us too. That was really beautiful. Thank you. I appreciate the time and you know being open to that. Yeah. Well, that's what this podcast is all about. And so, all of you out there, all of you sons, all of you daughters, 
uh, I guess really the whole point of this is that, um, you know, find your, find your, find that thing inside of you, that light inside of you, that, that thing that needs to be said to the world, that thing that needs to be shared with the world, whatever Go it is. Go get me a beer. That, yes, that's that, well, definitely that. Um, well, well, maybe it's just about screaming to your wife to get her, to get you a beer. Yeah. Uh, well, Lord Buckley said people are the true flowers of life and what a pleasure it has been to stroll through the gardens of your attention. Such a beautiful thing. This Such a gorgeous thing. Sweet. All right, you guys. Uh, and I want to thank everyone at Smodcast for always hosting this uh, podcast and keeping my words uh, floating in the cloud somewhere. And, of course, Kevin Smith. And remember, October 22nd, 1 p.m., corner of Amsterdam and West 121st in New York City. Uh, let's shut down uh, Big Boulevard and, uh, and honor my dad. And I will um, show you exactly where he used to uh, steal money out of people's wallets. <laughs> Have a good one. Tracing half a picture Later trying to find your place Although now I see through I was looking forward to winter with you Disagree with the idea that I've abandoned how I subconsciously thought it would be, and I don't know what I can do. I was looking forward to winter with, I was looking forward to winter with, I was looking forward to winter.
This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at Smodcast.com. <laughs>